You're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast. So let's make love to life. I think a really interesting subject for us to break the ice is breasts. I don't remember if it's something that I read on your Instagram, like in one of your posts, or if it's something that has come up in our conversation. Um, but I remember distinctly the way that you were describing your relationship with your breasts. That was really similar in the way that I relate. You know, how the size has changed over the years, but also how the size or the firmness or the weight or, you know, it's almost like breasts have their own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like the amount of women that talk to me about their breasts and probably you have the same, there's a lot, a lot of women. And it's mm-hmm. almost like, yeah, we go through the same thing. We, we all have these like really unique, uh, relationships with our own breasts. And then also, also this like shape shifting that happens. And yet nobody talks about it online. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that this is a really good topic to kind of dive into. So yeah. Tell me about your boobs. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, what's really interesting is even you saying that I, I actively go out of my way to look at boobs online (laughs) to find boobs that relate to my boobs. Um, I think that's, that's like really important because we have such, well, in Western culture, this like idea of what breasts look like or should look like. Um, and growing up, cause we're about the same age, um, there was like the breast implant push in the early nineties too, that like definitely seeded some kind of imprint of what breasts look like. Cause that was like the, oh, what was that? Sports Illustrated magazine. Like there was all these, all these references to a very delusional aspect of what real breasts look like. And that did something to my psyche. Absolutely. So I think. <laughs> Finding natural breasts online is is an interesting art for me. I really do love it. And I think even um, I think it is one of the conversations we first had, too. And I think it's interesting because when we do heart work, it's going to activate that center. So it's going to stimulate the way we relate to our breasts. And when we're feeling depleted and we're giving out, it's going to do the opposite. It's going to drain us. So even if we don't physically alter what our breasts actually look like, it's going to feel that way, um, which is like a layer of body dysmorphia. So I think, um, you know, circling around to the different subtle imprints, it's so important to have these conversations because we're not having them, but our subconscious is so programmed to what breasts should look like and how we perceive through dysmorphia what our breasts actually look like because of what's going on in our heart. Yeah. And I really like that you're bringing up, yeah, the connection with the heart chakra because they are the extension of the heart. So when I like recently, I actually talked with my partner uh, about my breasts because yeah. So let me tell you just a little bit of like a personal transformation that's been occurring in my body. Ruan and I met four years ago in the beginning of uh, 2017 in PISAC. We only had like a brief meeting, but funny enough, this is the moment in my life where suddenly I would have these blown up boobs, basically. Like I felt almost like I was back in my teenage years um, to the point of it being painful, to the point of needing to wear a sports bra to make them not wobble and therefore not cause pain. Um, but I did feel, even though it was like, what's going on? It did make me feel really beautiful and fertile and 
uh, more confident. It's like, yeah, it's like really beautiful. So anyway, the funny thing is, you know, when Ruan and I started to bounce up and down the things that um, had touched us upon our first meeting, um, he mentioned that he remembered, uh, you know, the, the feeling of my breasts on his chest when we hugged. <laughs> and I mean, we only hugged probably like two times. And then in August, when we reconnected and we started to deepen, um, you know, our, our connection to the point of breaking the ice to the point of obviously me moving to Thailand. Also in this time was funny enough, exactly the time that my breasts were speaking that same language, like, hello, I'm fertile. Like, that's really what it felt like, no? Like, as if my boobs were wanting to attract my mate. And literally the moment that Ruan and I energetically um, committed to each other, which which was before I, I even bought my plane ticket to come to Thailand, um, they, they started to decrease in size. And I started to lose weight. And somehow it did make me somewhat insecure. Um, and I've never felt insecure about my body um, I mean, with my breast, in all honesty, I, I have had some funny relationship, especially regarding what you said, you know, this this boost of the perfect boobs in the 90s as our boobs were growing into shape. And I think every teenage girl never thinks their boobs are big enough. Um, but bueno, I, I just wanted for this moment to make the reference of like the heart and fertility and how I see that my breasts are really, you know, showing this kind of like yeah, like safety, like no need to call for any attention because I have arrived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, like the, the cycles, right? Like I feel like, so when I was an adolescent, I had huge tits, like very, very large breasts. And I don't know if that energy came from just being very sexually awakened, um, very young and in an empowered way. But all that energy, like in my chest, and I, I remember the feeling of it. I remember the the big warmth in my chest, and I loved it. It was my power. Like my breasts were my power. And then as I got older, um, and then at one point I lost a bunch of weight. The first thing to go was my breasts. And losing that weight, um, you know, felt good to be healthier in in my belly. But it felt again the dysmorphia looking at my breasts. Like these aren't mine these aren't, this isn't what I grew into. Like, this isn't what I, what I'm used to having. So over the years, I feel like as I've taken more care of my body, um, especially like getting deeper into yoga practices, like the breast just stayed very low, very minimal. Um, and it wasn't until this year was, we did have a conversation about this because I stopped being so masculine in my exercising and I allowed myself to soften more and with that, my breast started filling out again. And there was a softness that allowed my breast to like drop in. Um, and I also breast massage is like one of the most important practices that I have. And I definitely want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was just mm -hmm. thinking about breast massage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing I want to say about the cycles is even in the month, like even in the fertility cycle, yeah. it's like, um, you know, right after I'm done bleeding, my, my boobs are gone. And then it's like, I know now my body well enough because of breast massage that the first five days after my period, it's going to be very interesting maiden energy in the heart center. But as I move towards ovulation and premenstrual when I'm bleeding, it's like back all that heart energy is active again. But yeah, because of breast, breast massage. And I think having that awareness, having a daily practice. So for me, breast massage is, a, is an evening practice. I open my morning with Kundalini and I close my day with breast massage. So those are my two check-in points. 
And I love ending my day with breast massage because it's soft and it's getting me connected into my heart center and touching my body in a way that's really loving. Um, because I should say too, I think I spent the last maybe four years like really rejecting my breasts like completely because I was still hung up on like this 20 something year old version of my body, um, early twenties, nonetheless, like not even <laughs> the later part. Um, so I needed to find a way to connect with love to my body that felt safe. I needed my touch to be safe instead of looking in the mirror and just judging the hell out of myself. So doing the breast massage practice, it took months till I could lovingly touch my body because it was still at first rejection of like, what's going on here? Um, this is uncomfortable. This isn't my body. This isn't what I want, all the things. Um, but after that, getting used to the cycles, the shifts that happen throughout the month in size and shape and firmness and tenderness, all the things and learning that my body is not linear, um, that it actually is cyclical and just rolling with that and having a deeper surrender with the, uh, the aesthetics, <laughs> the shaping of my body. Yeah, I kind of want to weave into that. Yeah, because in the in the recent conversations I've been having with my partner, you know, I kind of journeyed into where where have I been in relation to my breasts. Um, yeah, there was a significant moment. I maybe this will come up at a later point, or, or I can go deeper into it. But it's quite a significant story, so like that's going to take too much time to really dive in. But anyway, I came out of an abusive relationship with a narcissist. Um, really felt you know, that I got hit hard in my feminine. And this is really like the, the, the transformation, like the greatest transformation that really pushed me onto my path. Um, but funny enough, I caught, yeah, a really um, dangerous bacteria that somehow nestled in uh, or nested in my left breast. And I ended up in isolation in uh, the hospital um, and could have died because it was sitting right on top of my heart. So obviously that really shook my world and and got me, um, yeah, to take things more seriously and also to listen, you know, like what, what was this about? Because it wasn't as though, um, he had hurt me. No, he was there to point out the hurt that was actually already present in me for me to, to obviously open my eyes and go into it. And so the feminine, the hearts, the breasts. Um, but anyway, since then, you know, I, I went on the path of plant medicine, um, of energetic healing, but also on tantra, on the path of tantra. And as I was reconnecting with my sexuality, because somehow I had lost my libido, the breasts were really part of that journey. And the way I reconnected with my breasts after that is that the sensitivity increased. So it wasn't that I was doing the breast massage in the same, you know, rhythm that you have created for yourself, like that structure of like, I'm doing it daily, which actually sounds really beautiful. And I may, I may do that mm -hmm. for a while after this interview. Yeah, to just see like what can come out of that as a beautiful practice of like deepening that love. Uh, but for me, it was inconsistent, but somehow it increased my sensitivity in my nipples and in my breasts, like to, to be the most orgasmic, um, aspects of my body. And so especially in like self pleasure practices, I will often simply stick to like the breasts to, to, to get, yeah so wet <laughs> before touching my yoni so to not go for the obvious in in you know directly going for i don't know in and around the the labia and uh clitoris but really like how can i enhance that connection before even touching myself down there and so now for example i am experiencing less sensitivity in my nipples 
which makes me want to investigate again. No? Like what, what is it saying and how is this related to my heart? And what is it saying in relation to, um, you know, my partner? Maybe it is asking me to open up even more uh, to places that I haven't touched before, uh, definitely not with another, no? So th this is still like a little bit in the hunch of a mystery, but I just wanted to touch on this ultra sensitivity because very often I meet women who say that they're not sensitive, but I always feel like, yeah, but we are all born with an extremely amazing orgasmic potential. And all it really requires is attention and very subtle attention, especially us as women. Yeah, I love that. I I think this would be an interesting segue to... Um, yeah, I was so thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I... There, there's a couple points, like, especially because I was someone that when I was younger, my sexual energy was so high. I was like orgasmic, just breathing air as a teenager. Um, it was incredible, but my nipples were never that sensitive area for me. Um, my breasts, like I loved having them played with. I still love having them played with, but it wasn't that, um, like I had friends that would actually orgasm from breast stimulation. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I still haven't achieved that heartgasm. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, it's a journey to move towards. But I think what's really interesting too with breast massage, um, or with people that feel like they don't have sensitivity is a lot of the time people are moving the energy in the opposite direction that the energy wants to go manually. So I think there's like a really interesting play dynamic of figuring out how is my heart moving? How's that energy moving? And how can my touch help enhance the expansion as opposed to collapse the contraction? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in segueing, mm -hmm. <laughs> since I've put down my vibrator recently, um, one of the, the first things I do when self-pleasuring is working with like the curves of my breast. Like that is the sweet spot for me. Um, like right underneath, right yeah. on the line. Like, on the edge. Yeah. So segueing. Yeah. Self pleasure. Breast massage. And that and that's important too. This was something I didn't learn. Um, because if people are listening and they want to pick up this practice. I was doing breast massage. I've done it on and off for years, um, but I'm diligent with it now. I have a, a good rhythm for the past year. And what I learned in the past year was the aspect of needing to be in a state of pleasure to actually have like the breast tissue be stimulated enough for, because for me, I want the firmness. Like I want to feel less depleted. I want to feel more full. I want my heart to feel full. And even if it looks just subtly different, it's the feeling that that's really there. Yeah. Um, so learning that our bodies should be in an aroused state while we're doing breast massage to increase the blood flow was really important and something I didn't put together for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. But hold on. I was giggling because I thought we were segueing to vibrators and yonis. We're totally segueing. Awesome. <laughs> vibrators and yonis. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So again, let's go to numbness or the, the, the sensitization. I don't know if it's a word, but desensitized yonis. 
uh, due to vibrators or due to, um, yeah, let's just stick with the vibrators. No, it's like, um, or even if it's not related to vibrator, let's dive into this topic of like numbness in the yoni, which is actually really common. And it can be that, um, you know, memories of abuse come up. So women can experience even having had ultra pleasure in the past. And then suddenly there's this moment where it's like, there's no response. And we have to trust in the intelligence of the body, right? It's like, okay, that is a message that comes uh, because it wants to reveal something. So actually, I have a really funny anecdote um, I would like to share. <laughs> so this was, um, yeah, so, you know, when Ruan and I connected in August, he was in Thailand, I was in Peru. And there were a couple of months where we were connecting every uh, sunrise and every sunset because we were 12 hours apart. And we would really take advantage of those little moments. And we started to share our dreams of the night and analyze dreams together and, um, you know, share uh, whatever was going on or stories of our life. And little by little, you know, it got a little bit more sensual, um, which I really enjoyed. And so uh, naturally in self-pleasure, I would think of him. And it was interesting because there came a moment where, um, let's say, one of the fantasies that I use wasn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the fantasy of being overpowered. And in the fantasy, it was almost like him. He had his own consciousness in my fantasy. And he decided to basically do something entirely different. I don't know if this is making sense. It's almost like I wanted to steer it in a particular direction, but his consciousness in the fantasy went in the complete opposite direction, which was loving me in complete softness mm -hmm. and gentle touch and not wanting anything for himself. And it was interesting because in that time, I believe initially it was almost like my yoni turned off. And so suddenly there was somewhat of a numbness and it frustrated me because like you, I have an amazing connection with my sexuality and especially since all of this healing work of the past, it's like, I know how to serve that wave. And so when something like this comes up, I know how to listen, but obviously it's also frustrating because usually we know how to maneuver things. Um, and so in that case, you know, ping-ponging up and down uh, question and answer and kind of investigating with Ruan, it, it was almost like something got turned off in order for something else to got turned on. Because if you have such a strong connection with your sexuality, and it remains turned on, then sometimes we are unable to look at the thing that really wants attention. And in my case, it had everything to do with like receiving love, right? Like this fantasy was going into a direction and it's not like I, I have difficulty receiving love, but I had difficulty receiving it of this kind, you know, like everything that I'm experiencing with the one of love and trust and companionship and respect it's simply deeper than anything I've known before. And so my, my body, my consciousness was taking me to that next level of surrender. Even before we physically reunited, it's like quite incredible. And so, yeah, my yoni turned off for a moment for me to reconnect in a very different way for it to then turn on again, but interconnected with my heart in a way that I hadn't uh, done before. Yeah. I, I love that. It, it's so that story is like the essence of how I got into sacred sexuality was understanding the subconscious through fantasies um, and weaving in the subconscious and the somatic through fantasy work and understanding how our body is so connected to these things. And to me, it's, it's so powerful and beautiful when we get these um, symbols because the fantasies are symbols 
that come up and our body responds in a certain way. So then we have this, it's like a key to our own life, a key to our own growth, a key to our next steps forward um, that comes in the form of a symbol Then our body responds. And then we get to integrate that response and then we get to grow and expand. And I love that. I think it's one of the most powerful aspects of sexuality is that bridge from subconscious to conscious through fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that these realms are infinite. Like that's what I love so much about you know, love or trust or surrender or your connection with your sexuality. It's like whatever you think you already have achieved, there's always more. And so when we tap into that abundance mentality, then everything that is happening on a subtle level somehow becomes really significant. Um, I just wanted to point that out because very often I write something on Instagram and I get responses and everyone projects their own interpretation as to where they are at in life. But very often the responses that I get make me see that someone has decided for themselves, uh, this is sexuality or this is trust or this is surrender. But if you have defined it as such, then there's no space for it to evolve. Whereas if we, if we connect with something like surrender, it's like it becomes an infinite realm but yeah tell me something about your relationship with your vibrator yeah for real. what is transforming for you recently yeah yeah this this has been a journey um I just had this conversation with someone too so it's like pretty fresh so when I when I was discovering my sexuality I never had any interest in anything vibrating um so as a teenager it was always a, like dry humping pillows stuffed animals whatever it was it was just that kind of friction connection um but at my pace with my pelvis controlling the pace when I found when I started working with vibrators I must have been like a early 20s or something and it wasn't even like super exciting it just became something that I started working with um I think it was because it was like normal and it's like this is what I should like so I started playing with it then I found the Hitachi wand and there was no going back after that but that's (laughs) that's a whole different journey um so the conflict has always been in my spiritual communities especially around sexuality or sacred sexuality or tantra it's like don't touch vibrators that's like that's not holy that's not pure blah 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 so there's this taboo um or judgment around vibrators then in my um somatic sex education community which is a bit more progressive um and current and modern it's all about embracing embracing what we have um working with vibrators so I found myself over the past decade in my mind going back and forth, whether like what's good, what's bad, blah, blah, blah. But most of it was because of other people and what they told me and trying on for size what's happening. So I got into this habit of using my vibrator, um, I don't know, like a few times a week before bed, like just as a way to release energy and go to sleep. Sometimes I'd be able to use it in more expansive sessions for like an hour, but not really. Like it was never, it is so quick. And the thing with vibrators too is it's, it's so much that masculine energy. It's the pressure. It's the friction. It's the force. So working with vibrators is putting our masculine first and for, forefront. And that's my default is being in my masculine like you, like we we thrive in that space. (laughs) So it would make sense that that's where I would be drawn to with, with masturbating, but that's not the work I needed. That's not what I actually, my body needed. Um, so yeah. So over the past 
six, seven, eight months, when I when I decided to go back into celibacy, I'm like, I'm putting my vibrator away. Um, that was really important. And with that, it was, again, reclaiming my body in a sense that I want only my touch to, to be on my body, but my touch, um, like manual touch. And it took months, like at least two months until my body could come back online through my own touch because of how conditioned I was with using my vibrator. So this was really interesting because this wasn't somebody telling me vibrators are bad. Um, and like, again, like there's a lot of rumors, like it's bad for your nerves. It's going to desensitize your nerves, which has kind of been um, debunked. Like, I don't believe that's true. But what it what it is true or what is true is that our neural pathways are reinforced through this way of tension and pressure orgasms. So even though my nerves may not have been damaged, um, my nervous system was programmed to achieve orgasm through pressure, through force, um, through a very linear way. When my body wanted to unfold in a very feminine, mysterious way, um, so reconditioning my body or deprogramming the habits that I built with the vibrator um, could be translated to resensitizing, I suppose, but it's not even about that. It really is about the narrow pathways. And this is something I yeah. think people should know um, yeah. because there's so much taboo on either side, what's good or what's bad. But I think we just understand that there's two different ways we can reach orgasm. And one of them is going to be more expansive and the other one's going to be um, more habitual. I think those yeah. Are, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love you pointing this out, no? Like how this is really more coming from this like masculine aspect of our sexuality, which we as women also have. And I think it's clear to say that yeah, the majority of women worldwide, that is how usually uh, sex is happening, right? And so when we start to expand our orgasmic potential, it requires, especially women to start tapping into the the more subtle realm of the way that the the sexuality uh, moves. Yeah, I, I actually just finished uh, writing a course. I still need to record it, but it's literally for women to connect through their sexuality as a way of becoming more confident. Because actually, if you as a woman know these subtleties, right? And it's it's also the work that you do, obviously. When we as women know these subtleties and we know... Like, yeah, how does my masculine um, side of my sexuality operate? Um, how, how does, yeah, and, and how does my, my feminine work and, and what are the nuances? And to be able to read that, um, it, it makes us more capable in overwhelm in life, right? In, in the way that we maneuver or guide or listen to emotional ways, but also very much the way that we interact with our partner in bed or a lover or whatever, because very often it's like either there's, I don't know, a numbness or uh, pain even, or simply not being able to reach that level of ecstatic orgasmic pleasure that everyone seems to be writing about on, on Instagram is like, but then kind of expecting a, a random magician man to come by and, and be able to just simply touch these magic buttons. It's like, no, you know, I always love, uh, first of all, teaching how to establish that connection with yourself. And sure, these magic men exist. No, like I've stumbled upon a few of those as well, but it's like it's unique. <laughs> 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 They're quite unique. 
And so, <laughs> you know, to know exactly how it moves and then to be able to guide the man. Like that's the paradox of Tantra because somehow it's the masculine energy that guides it, but actually it's the woman and her capacity to surrender that guides how deep the man is able to guide the whole dance. I hope you're still following what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to, to bridge that, no? Because just for a, a, a simple moment, I, I mentioned trauma. And I mean, yeah, it's not a rarity, no? And I think there's, um, it, it's good to kind of like just touch upon it. Um, because I know, you know, looking at the women I've worked with and probably you as well, it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes the yoni is calling for attention through that numbness and it simply wants to, receive that loving attention from you through your hands like you just said mm -hmm. mm. yeah i i think one of the a very common response with work working with women with sexuality is them reporting like i don't feel anything and my response to that is obviously like well you, you are feeling something you're feeling the the lack of and it's really important that the numbness is validated instead of like just written off as like it's broken it doesn't work um or it's blocked blocked um because the numbness is a very ripe experience and that's the experience we are meant to have um and there's something sacred in the numbness it's not it's not a sign that anything's off you know it, the way that we can actually perceive what's going on the awareness that we can surround around the numbness or the desensitization or the lack of sensation is holy and sacred and telling in itself like that's something to be honored as opposed to trying to get to the next place or trying to break through the numbness the more we can surrender and trust in that sensation of lack of sensation the more expansive that experience will be definitely so yeah i mean i have loved <laughs> this dialogue with you seriously i feel it's mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's really been so alive and so juicy and, you know, really targeting these super intimate, um, yeah, subjects that sometimes we're able to talk about with other sisters. Um, but I also, I feel like, yeah, there's just an importance of like sharing this, uh, because there's so many people that can relate to it. Plus, if men are listening, it's like really just fascinating, I think, to know just a little bit more of, the intimacy in the way that a woman relates to her body or the way that sisters can talk so openly about their sexuality or their insecurities and so on. Um, so when, uh, for the final part, I just want to give space to like, um, you know, putting the, the spotlight on you and um, perhaps you want to share a little bit about the, the course that you're about to teach. I think you're, you're starting really soon. Yeah, really soon. <laughs> um, 14th is launch day. Yeah, so this this program is um, a sacred feminine embodiment activation. And the first thing I tell the women joining is to pack away your vibrators, which is very important. So in this activation process, it's a 12-week journey. The first four weeks are going to be focused on womb work and the mystical. The next four weeks are going to be focused on debunking pleasure as a myth and learning um how pleasure is significant for our health and wellness and how to cultivate and activate more pleasure in our bodies, become a sensual and expansive 
feminine being interacting in this world. And then the last four weeks is is the bridge of the mystical and the practical and the sacred sexuality, deep, deep immersion, creating a foundation in sex magic, which is kind of a hot word right now, but understanding the power that we have through our wombs and our sexuality to create the life that we that our hearts truly desire. So yeah, this begins on um, April 14th, 12 weeks long. It's going to be a, a deep initiation and I think it's important to say I, I do not give the initiation spirit gives initiation so this work is preparing the body to be activated to get the download to receive the upgrade to receive the expansive newer version of feminine essence to be really rooted yeah amazing so when does it start again april 14th okay. i think that's right it's a wednesday it might be the 15th but i think it's the 14th <laughs> i think it's yeah. the 14th and yeah, so I'll, I'll just put your, your name, your information below this video so anyone can contact. And of course, I'll put it in my mailing list. It really sounds like a very profound journey. So is there like a maximum uh, amount of participants? Yeah, I'm going to max it at 12. And there's only a couple uh, spots open right now. I want to have the one-on-one -on -one connections with each of the people. I want everyone to have ability to speak and interact. Um, yeah. So it'll be broken up into like um, teachings of course then practices and then interaction in each yeah. session will be dynamics yeah 12 is a good number that was also my number for dare to love yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. awesome amazing <laughs> so yeah i mean nikki and i have um yeah have have journeyed quite deep together and um it is clear that we think similarly in many ways and i am certain that there's going to be more um interviews on the make lots of life podcast um yeah i love this dynamic i love how we complement and i love the little stories and i think for now as like you know the the opening of of my channel my podcast channel yeah i'd like to not overload but rather let's go deep immediately and, you know, give these chunks of profound information without it needing to like go on and on and on. And, on. and then over time, um, just reinvite you, let, let you come back and for us to do that again on something else that is really hot and juicy and amazing and necessary to talk about. Um, Cause that's really where I want to go with people. Uh, let's talk about the things that we don't talk about, but that somehow everyone is craving to hear. So I just want to say thank you for, yeah, your rawness and for sharing your beautiful wisdom and uh, your eloquent way of verbalizing it. Yeah, mm. it's been yeah. really beautiful. I love this. I, yeah, I look forward to, to many more. <laughs> You're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast the place where we uncover all the barriers that prevent you from experiencing deeper intimacy. If you are looking to attract love and authentic partnership, then hit the subscribe button and go to my website nalayachakana.com to sign up for my private group Make Love to Life. See you there.